Patriots, and it's Sunday, October 23rd, in the year 2022, and you guys on the East Coast have already fallen into Monday, but that's all right. We'll catch up later. It's all good. Patriots, just remember, if you need a good night's sleep, you know where to go. It's MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. Promo code is Bards. There's all sorts of amazing sales over there. Great stuff going on, and you can save on mattresses and sheets, mattress toppers and sheets. The Giza cotton sheets are awesome. The MyPillow Classic, awesome. The Comforters, awesome. The My Slippers, awesome. Awesomeness all around. So head on over to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, promo code Bards. And as always, you have Patriot Pillow Counselors on standby, ready to help you at your will at 800-975-2939. That's 800-975-2939. Patriots, it's, uh, it's been a really interesting weekend. We've got a really big week coming up this week with interviews. It's going to give you a highlight. We're going to be having a couple of two-part interviews and even a four-part interview coming up this week. So Tuesday, we're going to have a two-part interview with Dr. Lee Merritt. So that'll be Bards FM 
and then Bards FM Part 2 instead of Fishers of Men on Tuesday. Wednesday, we're going to have, and I haven't quite figured out which one we're going to have yet, but probably Scott Shara, and he is uh, the one who has a real moving story about how the hospitals basically killed his Down syndrome daughter. Very difficult to listen to, but it's on point. We're going to have an expert on full-on gong, and he's a Christian patriot fighting for the for full-on gong. He's going to come in on Wednesday. And then on Thursday and Friday, we have a four-part interview with Pastor Brad Cummings. And I think you're really going to enjoy this interview. It, we recorded today, and Brad has done some amazing research into the 10 plagues and the and really has done some stuff that I, I don't think I've heard from anybody else, digging into how God has used those 10 plagues to destroy the idolatries of Egypt and ultimately humble an entire nation. So really good stuff, and I think you'll enjoy those. That's going to be Thursday and Friday, parts one through four, all the way to Friday night. And this week as well, Duncan will be running a lot of the ch- most of the chats. I'll be down in Yuba City starting tomorrow. I've got a week long event down there in Yuba City with um, Brad Cummings and with Pastor uh, Dave Bryan, and then uh, I'll be in and out checking. But um, anyway, but everything is ready. It's going to be a great week. You're going to enjoy all the shows. So enjoy is the word. We've gone over a lot of things this last week, and really kind of what I'm, Sunday night is where I, these shows now, I just really want to zero into the application of our faith and and just the different experiences, always kind of heading towards that direction of the strength in our faith and ultimately, ultimately really in, in walking in the word and just seeing how that manifests in our lives. I'm just going to start with just some general stuff here and just as I kind of wind into this. This weekend I spent a lot of time in the garden and mainly what I spent doing this weekend was picking figs. And this kind of leads to a whole real interesting story for me, personal. It's not just how little things become interesting things. We ended up making a family affair, my parents and I, and it's really kind of an amazing thing. We have a really beautiful fig tree in the back. It's big. And the harvest this year has been immense. It's late. I mean, that's virtue of a strange summer and some strange rain patterns, but a lot of figs. And so they all just kind of came to ripen fairly quickly all of a sudden. And my parents had been at the coast for their 60th wedding anniversary, which was a benchmark in itself and just had a really amazing walk with, with God over there. And as, as one example of that, they stepped out on the beach and it, was, it had been foggy with rainy and it, as they walked, it opened up to perfect sunshine. And as they got back, 
stepped into the vehicle to go back to the room, it started to rain again. That's, that's just the sort of way that their whole life works. It's pretty amazing. But in, in the fig tree thing, it's, it was just so, it's just this reminder of community and family the way we need to be striving for. Because we all, all three of us were literally all over that tree picking figs and then sharing in the process. From the figs, we went to sorting the figs, and then my mom took a batch and started making fig bread, and my dad and I cut up the rest of the figs, which were turning into fig jam. In fact, just outside the studio right now, I've, I just shut the burner off on cooking the figs down, so I'll finish those in the morning, and we'll get them canned into fig jam, which will be more than enough to carry us through the winter. But that's the whole thing is there's been a real lifestyle change for us. And I'm assuming it's happening with other people. But a lot of this is just the way God has guided us. And we've just been listening. And so much of our life now doesn't revolve around uh, unnecessary things. But everything we're doing is about taking care and stewarding what is given. That was part of the whole thing with the figs. Because we had a very short window the figs were ready, and then it rained Friday night. And so if, if you know figs, once they get ripe, once they get wet, with this happens with a lot of fruit, but in particular figs, it's a very delicate fruit. So you have a pretty narrow window to pick them. And so we jumped on that and took all that together. And then taking advantage of that moment and moving with it. And again, the same thing happened. We I, it cleared up. It had been raining all morning. It cleared up. We picked figs. And then I, as my mom and my dad each went off to do their different portion, like dad sorting the figs and my mom starting to get some stuff ready to bake fig bread, I finished picking the rest of them. And as I finished, the last fig literally stepped off the ladder and um, it started to rain again. I just find these things to be just very much in sync with the way God works and the blessings that are going to be that come this way and their natural occurrence of things. And, I, and it's something that we have to give thanks to because I truly believe, and I'm seeing it in my own life, that there are there's going to be the necessary portions that we need, the necessary support that is provided by God, as long as we are distinct, focused on him, he will provide those portions as needed as we move forward. And it's just something to in these times ahead, which are very uncertain of where we're heading into. And I think, quite frankly, from a standpoint of those that are walking with God and very close in their relationship with him, my general sense is this: these coming times will be two things and it's and it's they sound like a juxtaposition which they kind of are and I'm going to dig into that a little bit but I think that we're going to what we're going to witness in this country and around the world on one level is going to be very boring I don't think we're going to see the dramatic events that so many are anticipating and at the same time it's going to be relatively torturous more like peeling paint or sometimes even just watching paint dry in a very slow and torturous process. We're, we really have to be careful as we look across our world and how we relate to God to remember that we're dealing with God and not an 
an image of God that we're creating of him. It's anthropocentric is the concept, is that we tend to humanize everything that we do. We do this with animals. We do this with, and, and environmentalists are the worst, I swear, because they, they humanize everything. So a plant has inordinate amount of pain when we pluck a fruit, according to some um, animals are have deep emotion and and must be cared for in that way. It, it's it gets we humanize we're projecting the humanism on top of it, and we do this with our relationship with God fairly fairly typically, and that's where we have to start gaining. I think trying to gain a, a higher optic, and we do that through our deep relationship with Father, and really letting Him guide us with the eyes that He puts on this world. God has an amazing way of forgiveness. And where we're drawing hard lines, God's seeing opportunity and blessing. And that's scripturally founded. And it doesn't mean that through the life people don't suffer. But at the end of the day, as people reach to him and find him, and, are, and they can find salvation even until the end. And that's where we have to be careful, too, with our sense of justice, judgment, and wrath. Because there is justice, and, and then there is his judgment, and then there is his wrath. So these are just things I, I kind of put out here that have been really reflecting on this weekend a lot. And in doing so, I think it's important to really kind of take a step back in this insanity that we're going in. One thing that's very clear is nobody really knows what's going to happen next. Everybody likes to project and predict. I think if we listen to our hearts very clearly, the one thing that we are going to hear constantly is to steward what we have well, to seek him more deeply, and to trust in what he's provided and to continue to trust in him to provide provisions as we need. These Life has become relatively simple over this last couple of years. But it's also interesting to see how the initial cut of wheats and tares have, has happened and how those two bodies differ and differ radically, in fact. We have... And this is another thing I was reflecting on when we were picking figs yesterday because this was not a fun event. It was. It was enjoyable, but I don't mean we just didn't do it for just let's just go have a kick in the pants and go climb a fig tree. This was a responsibility, and it was more than just a stewardship. It's because there's a winter coming. And so we're, we ourselves have found ourselves transitioned back to an older way of framing our life. My dad has gotten into heavy-duty seed saving. And, I mean, he's like saving any seed he can find. It's awesome. And we're, we're creating, we're starting to create the cycle of life within this small space of a homestead that we've, an urban homestead we created, while this other property I've talked about, we're starting to get that built up over this next year to provide greater provisions for a community up there and a place to train people on to do the same. So a lot of the orientation in my life has shifted and it has shifted with my parents as well. And it's shifting in other communities as we touch them in this place of 
everything is about now creating provisions for ourselves and others. And this is really God working in a time we're listening, in my opinion, because we're, we're needing to start to set things aside and prepare and to change our mindset as to what the values are. We need to be getting to a place principally where we are in the process of creating what we need and what we rely on. I also roasted coffee today, which is something I've talked a lot about in the past. And I really enjoy that. But I'm, it's the sort of thing that putting myself into a process that typically that process entails us going to, to a coffee shop, if it's Starbucks or a local, whatever your local version is, going through a drive-through or going inside, ordering, your, your in, the interaction for most people is just ordering something off a menu and this, and this through a process of seemingly magic, this coffee appears before you at the, at the barista bar and it's your name is on it and the little notations on the side of the cup of what you wanted. And then from there, your, your experience is going to be judging whether they did it well, whether their coffee that was the one you really like and we'll create all of this mystique around an experience that our only interaction is, is to judge and to pay. So again, this is the same sort of thing is as we begin to enter into our process of putting ourselves into the process of, of stewarding the actual product, we become engaged more deeply with the experience. And in so doing, we become closer in the experience with God and God is, is living that through us. So in the, from the fig tree, we work together, and that becomes in a family event. And we've we even we spent the whole we actually spent breakfast Saturday morning talking about what we were going to do. I mean, it was a planning out of the day around a fig tree, and looking at the harvest and what how we were going to partition the harvest and how much we were going to give to fig bread and how much we were going to give to jam and then what we were going to do if we had excess and how we were going to preserve that freezing versus canning. And it's, I say this, it's not like this is a big deal. It's not like we just launched a rocket to the moon or something, but it's a shift in dialogue. There was no politics discussed. It didn't even come close to the table. There wasn't any concern about what's going to happen next week or whether President Trump is going to be put under house arrest or not. I have no idea. Not worried about whether there's going to be riots around elections. None of that came in. And I think this is what's really important because as we start to hone our focus into our lives and start to pay a lot of attention to living well within the moment, God is present in that moment. And yet we do spend a lot of time projecting into the future or in other ways, we're projecting back, like worrying about regrets we did. And as I have talked a lot about last week, and I'll continue to talk more about it in the weeks to come, what I call deep repentance, and something that Brad and I have, a, you'll hear us talk about it as well, because Brad's very much engaged in the same process. But the deep repentance process is to un, unhook us from the past, free us from the past so that ever increasingly we can stay in the moment. And as we stay in the moment, and that's again back to the fig tree, we're in the moment. And it's a great place when, as as anybody knows, it's growing and you're having time 
when you've grown food to thank the Father as we move along for each of every every bit of these portions that are given us or provisions that are provided through a tree. And that's true wealth. That's really at the core of what wealth is, is when God's providing, when we start to realize how much bounty and how much wealth there is in each thing, we start to realize as well just how deviated we are from that space. Fundamentally in our world, we have put a dollar value on everything. And it it goes two ways. So not only do we look at something and we start assessing it in a dollar value at some point, we also do a lot of comparatives. And and I'm speaking broadly in in a culture, but it's all over. It's It's in our lexicon in which way we speak. So if we do fig jam, then that has a value. It's like, wow, if I had bought this fig jam, that might be $10 for that jar. All of that is of this world. The fig jam is the is the blessing that came from the fruit that God provided that we then process. And through proper stewardship and a, a, a wisdom that's we can gain from him or other places, but we have, we then create a jar of fig jam, which isn't difficult, by the way. It's probably one of the easiest jams to make. And there's no value in a monetary sense on that, but there's a rich value in the spiritual sense of that and in the portions that God provides and the provisions that he provides in the world. The biggest challenge we're going to have as we move forward, and this is, again, kind of what I, I should, probably should have titled the show tonight, the reflections from a, from a fig tree, because so much of this was coming out of this experience as I'm picking and, and we're processing and then we're working each step of it. It's amazing how much came out of just, you know, five, five three or five-gallon buckets of figs far beyond the the bounty there is the whole experience of relating to god in the whole process and as we move through that process we begin to value the moments and the little things and realize just how much on the exterior of our lives the deep state the mechanisms under which we live this matrix steers us and pollutes us in so many ways. In spiritual beings, I don't, I think we're, spiritual beings in a physical body, we, we're deeply um, disconnected from the gifts and blessings in which Father's provided. And I, it is a place where in the, a very in, intense focus on us being unworthy. And I think that that in a, in a framework of a lot of the teachings in churches, the unworthiness becomes a brand to say, I am in with the grasp of God because I am willing to say I am unworthy. We brand ourselves and we take on that moniker. But when you're on outside picking figs, there's no unworthiness or worthiness. It's just a conversation with God. And I guarantee you, God is not sitting up there in heaven going, you are unworthy. Not at all. But we do that, and we start putting those monikers on it. And 
we forget that God is there with open arms to embrace us. So a lot of this whole process this weekend was also centered around Luke 15, 11 through 31, which is the prodigal son. And I'm going to read some of this as we go. And it's very much the deep reminder that God is excited to bring us home. He's excited to see us and be in, in our lives. And as we start to realize that and separate the concept that we do sin and we need to repent in those sins, and it needs to be an active process so that it's not, it's not belaboring. We're not waiting. And so part of this whole process of what I was calling deep repentance is to take the time to go back through our lives and clean up that process and be very refined for it. Because we tend to do kind of a broad stroke with, in general and with our repentance. And we'll say, well, I accepted Christ and my sins are forgiven, yada, yada, away we go. It doesn't free us from those things that sit within our hearts. And it's when we take that deep dive and we get deep into that path and that walk of life and we're unhooking those that we start to really set ourselves free into the deeper aspects of love and the life of living and walking with the living God. The fig tree doesn't have guilt from last year. And it really doesn't even know what it's going to be next year, let alone tomorrow. But the fig tree is very present and with its fruit now. And, and as an example, there's, we still have another crop to pick depending on weather because we've gotten fairly cool in weather and the figs typically need heat. But it's interesting to note that in 24 hours, and the temperatures got, actually got cooler, not warmer, but as we took off the fruit, and as you're picking figs, it's another good example. You can, even when they may not look ripe by visual, if you lightly pull on the fruit, many of them will just fall off on your hand because the tree's ready to release them. It's very much in the moment. And so as we go through that, and I pretty much picked everything that was available to pick, then I, my anticipation was it would take a good part of next week before many of these were ripe again. And, and just a little bit ago, I was walking, checking the tree, and already I can see by tomorrow there's going to be another small crop ready. And that's, again, as you unleash some of the burden from the, from the existing fruit, the tree is ready to release that. The tree is now in the moment to do its job to produce fruit and to release that fruit to be edible. We tend to worry less about our moments and a lot more about the morrows and a lot more about futures that we can't even see, but we try to write those maps to there. And in so doing, we miss one of the greatest gifts that God gives us, which is intensely living focused in the moment. And that was what a lot of Saturday and today was for me, was just very much being present, deeply present in the moment deeply present in that process of sharing that moment with my parents as we 
worked around the tree really at all levels and literally very a 10 foot ladder, an eight foot ladder and on the ground. And we separated out what we needed and we were all very focused on what purpose we were there for and very much present with the tree that was giving up its fruit as the, as part of that bounty that God provided. We need to be more focused on that metaphor of, of picking the bounty, of focusing on the tree as it sits, rather than trying to extend ourselves out into futures and build mountains around us. And as we're doing that, that what has, what's happening is that we're putting ourselves more intimately into the hold and into the grasp and into the, the arms of Father. And we stop building the mountains and we start building instead the intimacy. And in building the intimacy, we start to hear him more deeply. And in these processes, then we're able to, as we hear him, we're able to start walking more clearly with where he wants. One of the things that's difficult in our culture, in particular in Western culture, but and, and it's exacerbated in American Western culture, is the concept of business planning. We tend to plan everything. Everything, everywhere you turn, it's, you, know, you need to make a, a very disciplined path in your life. And in what we're doing is we're writing our stories. But we're not spending the time to have Father write the stories with us or direct the story for us. And that's ultimately where we need to be. And when we do that, that's literally like going into the darkness and shutting off all the lights in where it's pitch dark, pitch, pitch dark, and trusting in him to guide you through. Which, by the way, is an interesting exercise if you want to try something like this. I do this, actually. And, and I do these strange things, but that's okay. This comes back from martial arts era to try to learn your world as if you were blind. And so I'll go through, usually every morning or every night at some point early before the lights are on, I spend time moving through my environment without lights, and at times I do it with eyes closed. And I do it for a couple of reasons, because as we start to work in this, you start to become aware of your environment more intensely. So you're kind of focused more in that space, but it's also, there's a principle of trusting and having faith. And I can tell you like the other night, like I'm just kind of bulldozing through doing this. And I, man, did I rack my knee hard into something? I can't remember. It was a bag I had or something, but I laughed. I'm like, and I, it's like, had I just slowed down a little bit and paid more attention to where I was stepping, it would never have happened. But it teaches a process of being able to experience your environment without the dependency on sight, which by metaphor is exactly where we should be walking, which is we don't walk by sight, but we walk by faith. And that takes us kind of back to the fig tree because there's no, again, there was no outside concerns. And it was focused principally on an action that we did completely and in the process, very successfully. 
and there was no in there was no intrusions from the things that didn't make any difference because quite frankly with all the figs picked it really made no difference what was going to happen in the world and there were some big events that happened there was a one of the i mean just as an example the former head of the CCP which was basically president Xi's predecessor was escorted out of the CCP conference on public television. This is a huge event. We'll talk more about that tomorrow. And I that was coming into my emails, and I did a little bit of dabble on that, you know, got a couple of things just to, but it, once I stepped out of that space, it's like put it all aside because at the end of the day, China could have launched a nuclear war, could have had a, a revolution. President Trump could have been arrested. We could have had Putin like drive tanks across Europe. And you know what? The figs still needed to be picked. The bread still needed to be made. And the jam still had to be made and canned. Nothing changed there. And in that focus of the moment, God is very present there. God is not present when our minds are racing off on things we have no control over. And I think that's the big part of this is where are we going to be present with him? So much by design in this world is to constantly keep us distracted and busy. This world by design, it's not even as a symptom of a, of a side effect of life, which is it, it is, but in a design function, this world is designed to be a, a highly ADD world. It has maximum attention deficit disorder built in every single thing we do. We spool through news every day. We read, like myself, I just read incessantly about stuff. And at the end of the day, I have to say, to, be to develop effective stories, I understand that. But at the end of the day, what's the content retention? How much difference did it make in my life? And did it bring me closer to God? Now, fortunately, on this channel... Everything steers back to Father. And that's as he leads and by design and intention. So there's always an avenue that I'm going to find as I tell stories to take me back there. But just as a general consumption of information, when we're, being, we're spooling through this information and we're trying to get an assessment of what's going on and we're trying to figure out what the next play is going to be, we're part of the problem. We're not part of a solution at that point in time. The solution is spending time with Father. The solution is deeping, digging deeper into Christ. The solution is reading scriptures and then praying on it and letting God open our eyes to the deeper meanings and layers that exist right there before us that we often miss. The solution is being in the world and carrying that scripture in your heart and letting the world show that story to you and letting God live with you and show you the deeper meanings of scripture in the living world. This is when we become powerful in the world because we're not touched by these other things. And quite frankly, there is a, an amazing thing that happens here is that we go we, we have in the process this journey that we go on, which is profound. There is a lot of 
rigidity and systematic sitting in pew approach to what we call Christianity. And yet when we read the biblical stories, they're adventure driven. We have David, we have Ezra or Esther, Esther, excuse me. We have Joshua, we have Gideon, we have Moses, Noah, all of these, Isaiah, all of these stories are happening that we're being told about and then we're experiencing from different, different optics. And it's an adventure story. This story of Jesus is in a story of movement, quite literally. He's not stopping. He's always moving to the next place. And there's always something he's engaging with. And yet our lives have become relatively sedentary. And our scriptures have become relatively flat in our lives. Our founding fathers, and that's why I love the Founders Bible so much, is our founding fathers did quote scripture, they used scripture and lived scripture through their heart and spoke it in their, in their normal dialogue. So what is missing a lot in our lives is the adventure that we should be on. And it is an incredible adventure. It's the greatest quest ever, walking towards Christ. There's nothing that can match it because once we're pursuit of that, your pursuit of the greatest experience, the greatest love, the greatest spiritual presence that we'll ever have. And it's not going to be, you're not going to experience that just by memorizing verse and sitting before the book. We have to bring it into the world. And so again, kind of the ramblings of a guy who picked figs over the weekend. And all of this is coming out because in a simple act where every fruit you're taking a time to just give a brief reflection that this is yet another gift from Father and putting this in context with scriptures and putting this in context with the living world and putting this in context with his creation of all things. And then we add to that this sort of adventure that we're on, which is a challenging one. And it makes this time even more exciting to be in. We're in the greatest, literally the greatest moment we could ever be in history. This is the greatest moment that we know of in human history. The events that have happened over the last two, almost three years now, and it is three years actually now that we're leading into, the events that have happened have literally touched every single person's heart, every person in the world has to face this valley of decision. And it, inc- it goes on increasingly. So as we get back to this, and I touched on this earlier, we're in this very unique bifurcation, a very unique separation in the world. And at this juncture, we have two different worlds. And one world is very focused on the pursuit in the love of God and the pursuit of, through Christ to the Father. And we have this other world that is very focused on things like politics and elections and voting and uh, the, the issues going on in D.C. and the events that are of the, the separation between people in their political discourse and this pretty visceral fight that's going on here. And if we take a step back and we kind of look a little bit through God's eyes, it's an interesting event because there is this remnant that's over here that's really pursuing him. 
And this other stuff over here is frustrating as it is. It's not touching our immediate lives, at least for most. And I think I could argue pretty soundly that those that are really walking in faith right now and really listening to God, most of what's going on in the world is exterior to what's going on truly in our lives. And that should be a real signal to us as to what is happening because the world is changing, but at the core of all of this, God is trying to bring his children home. He's not making a distinction between Democrat and Republican. He's not making a distinction between Trump and Biden. As much as that may upset people, they're both equally functional for God. If you look, and to be honest, let's be, and let's be honest, Biden has done more to drive people to Christ than Trump did. Trump draws big rallies. He brings the consciousness and awareness of people. There's many people of the same mindset. But those rallies, if they had been transformed into something greater like the focus on Jesus, would be would have been transformational for the nation and the world. But that's not what they're focused on. They're focused instead on the hatred for another party. And there's a lot of this going on. And yet we know functionally that both parties are just two faces of the same of the same coin. But God doesn't play politics. He may use politics, he may use things, but he doesn't play politics. And yet the, so much of what we are defined as as a nation right now is being defined through the process of politics rather than local action, local responsibility, reestablishing God in our lives all the way across because I'll tell you, if every single person in this nation just put their eyes on Christ and walk that way and walk through Father first instead of walking through what someone else said. This entire situation we're in changes literally overnight. But instead, there's an obedience still to state, and there's a checking in with God as a secondary point. And this, again, is just, you look at this, you're like, wait a minute. And I'll give you a simple example. We say we love our guns. We say we want our free speech. We're angry because they're taking, they're trying to take those things away and people are yet obedient to paying taxes. It's just a simple thing. But this obedience is happening with government. People that sit miles away, hundreds of miles away, thousands of miles away, depending on where they are and where you are in the country. And they say one little word and people go, okay, I'll follow. CDC. CDC says, Biden says, Trump says, I don't care what they say. What I want to know is, what is Father God telling me? Where is Father God pointing me? What is, what is our Father asking me to do? What's that step he wants me to make? And when we filter that way, and life just changes. All this other stuff just falls to the wayside. And we begin to realize that so much of what we're witnessing is the separation of the wheat and the tares. And so and as we go forward here, and I think, and this is where I think you'll really enjoy what's coming Thursday and, and Friday, this four-part episode with, with Brad Cummings is a real deep, and it's just a conversation he and I are having with, and 
with some research that he's done that is just really fantastic is to really realize that this is an ongoing process for God. That we're at a we're at a point right now where there is a remnant of sorts, but there's still a lot of people out here wandering and going back to the old ways. I mean, it's just like we get past this and now everybody's like, oh, cool. You got a shot. I got a shot. You didn't get a shot. I don't care. We're all going to go back to normal. I can't wait to get to my late my restaurant again. I can't wait till I get to have coffee again. Can't wait to go see a movie again. Nowhere in that discussion do you hear that it's the focus of God. And that's what we've done in this last two years. We've taken this small group that's listened and moved more focused on him, and we have a mass of people. It doesn't matter if they took the shot or not. It doesn't matter if they wore a mask or not. It doesn't matter if they voted Biden or Trump. They put their eyes back into this world. And as they did that, you can be assured of something pretty significant. Because the fruit has to be picked and set aside when it's ready, but there's a whole bunch of it out there that if it isn't matured properly, it's going to rot. There's going to be a shaking. And that shaking for us, again, it may look relatively boring, but it's going to be torturous to witness. And it's going to be torturous because as we go through it, we're going to witness people watching their lives fall apart. We're going to witness people's lives unraveling. And it's not that their lives are unraveling. It's not that it's not the cause of say the money or the loss of house or the job or the stresses of the environment or whatever. It's because their eyes have always been on the wrong thing. They didn't put their eyes on God first. They didn't live their lives through Father. They lived their lives and asked Father, like a check-in, hey, I'm doing this, can you pray for me? Can you give me a blessing on this because I'm moving forward? Instead of just having him guide us. Look, it's not easy walking in the dark. It's a, it's a trust, it's skill, it's a discipline, it's all of those things. But if we don't walk in the dark and trust in Father and let him guide us, we're not going to feel the full might and power of his glory and his love. And when we want to start running off the reservation every time we get an idea or do something and we're not checking in with him and it becomes us, 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 the more that we do that, the age that we're heading into, the more what's coming is going to suck. And I mean big time. And that's ultimately where I truly believe we come in in the greatest part of this of this part of the play, if you will, is that when you look at what God's done in an amazing way, how many people are sprinkled across this world and across this country, and you look at even how Bar's nation is spread out and we're just all over the place, not in one single congregation. We're in a congregation that is brought together over time and geographical space into a digital forum that allows us to grow and share. That's a very profound thing. Because 
handed to us is an expectation where much is given, much is asked. That as we walk more deeply with him, he's going to have to bring these groups of people and have bridges built so they can find him. And that's our role. Because there's so many houses built on sand. There is so much idolatry that has permeated our culture. There is so much distortion of what's important and where our eyes need to be. This isn't a debate about the finalities of Scripture, whether one sentence means this or one word means that. We can have a cup of coffee and have that discussion later. This is principally about one very simple thing. Do you put your eyes first on Jesus and through Christ to the Father, or do you put your eyes first on the institution and yourself? And when they, we make that pivot, and when we get the many to make that pivot and understand what that means, the purpose of why we are here, the function of what we do, our relationship to everything in this world changes. The fig tree never has that problem. Every year it grows. Every season it bears fruit, sometimes twice in a season. And if you don't pick it, the fruit falls. And if there's wildlife, the fruit is eaten by them. But it's a cycle, and it never questions its purpose. It knows exactly why it's here. We're the oddballs. And yet we shouldn't be. God's Son was sacrificed on the cross to free us from our sins and to propel us into a relationship with Father that should be deep and intimate and mighty and profound. And that's ultimately in this time ahead the shaking that's coming, and it'll come in many forms, but there's no stopping that train. You can, it may take 50 years to do this. I have no idea. It depends on how slow the bleed is and how slow or fast the collapsing of this foundation is. But the choices are getting pretty clear where we can walk. We walk on their path and it ultimately leads you to something very simple, a transition away from humanity or we walk in God's path and we find this evolving and rebirthing into the body of Christ and into the true sense of what God intends for us to be as his children. All of that right now is a choice we each make. And in the end, it's always a choice we make because God's never going to dictate it. We have to choose. And as we choose and we stay on that path, we watch a world that's going to be going through that decision process over and over. Challenges and tests and more to come. And each one has to make a choice at a certain point. And hopefully, we're strong enough in our faith. We're positioned as God wants us to be. We're listening to him closely enough 
that we can be that lamp on the hill for others to see and for us to extend a hand. Because our role isn't to grind an axe over what was done a year ago in this dumb mask thing or two years ago in, in this COVID nonsense or whatever it was in the past. Our role principally now is to be compassionate and loving our neighbor and helping them find their feet and being decisive and mighty in the face of the demonic that has moved in so deeply into so many people's lives. That's an amazing journey, an amazing quest, an amazing pursuit that's full of adventure and worthy of stories and stories and stories over campfires for eons to come. And there's it should be something that everybody is running after. This is the time, truly, of building the story of legends. And God has us right here to grab hold of it and to run with it. And along the way, hopefully, a little bit of fig jam and some fresh bread and you're good to go. Let's pray. Father, Father God, we just thank you for this evening. We're just so deeply humbled in this station and place that we are as we reflect on our lives and reflect on where we are. And walking in a place that has seemingly so much confusion and chaos. And yet, as you are showing us and as we're learning again and again, as we put our eyes purely on you, and we walk that path, the world just settles in to a calm and a serenity and a solidity like nothing else we could ever be or imagine. Thank you, Father. Thank you for all of this. Thank you for what you continue to do. And thank you for just this walk that we're on. In this time, in this chaos, it's so easy to forget the simple things. Taking a breath. Listening. Walking calmly. And ignoring the chaos of the world. By design, it's intended to get into our head where truly the tortures begin for so many. So, Father, we just... Ask it as we walk this and we continue to build our, our closeness with you. That, that, that joy that we find, that solidness that we find, can be felt, seen, experienced by those around us. That to draw them in like a moth to a flame. And from there that they will, we will have the opportunity to build the bridges back to you. So, Father, just for my own personal statement tonight, I just pray for all of Bard's nation tonight to be set free from any fear and anxiety, to have that intimate conversation with you that is so beautiful and powerful, to have the provisions necessary as we go forward, that to know in their heart that no matter what happens, you are there, that all things as we need will be provided in the course that we need. To trust so deeply in you that 
as in walking in the night, we know that no matter how we step, we will be okay. And in the end, to strengthen that place, the most powerful place we could possibly be, the place that Christ showed us so many times and so much of what his walk was here, the power of a love that was so great that it would cast out demons and disarm even the greatest of evildoers. And even in the most torturous moments that were witnessed by eyes, a love that was so great that he never bowed or never gave in. Thank you, Father. Thank you. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. There's some very dark energy that runs in this world. It's by nature. We've spent 150 years at least under a rule of people that saw themselves as sovereign kings and queens ruling over the plebes or the peasants of this land. We have always been the peasants, fooled into existence and fooled into our place of thinking we were free when they were working every means possible to create them invisible shackles built around our debt and money and our greed. It's really irrelevant in many ways, and I say this may make some uncomfortable, but it's really irrelevant in many ways what the election results are in this country because the system is still rigged 100%. And we have to start coming to grips with the idea that a system is, this system is rigged and yet it's intending to give us a false hope that it works. Our first vote it must be always be cast to heaven. And as we walk this path, the greatest power of change is not going to come through a ballot box. It's going to come through our relationship with Christ and in Father God. It's going to come with that intimate place of us walking as he asks us and directs us. That's us trusting, listening, hearing, and executing. And as we do, this system, this thing that we're told that every time we're turned around, something is coming and we have no choice in it. Something's going to happen and we have no choice in it. We're going to start a war and by the way, you're going to fight it, but you don't get a, you don't get a vote in it. The answer is we have a vote in everything because our vote is always first to Father. And if he blesses that direction, we shall walk. But if he does not bless it and sends us a different way, that's the only obedience we have. And that means everything in our life. So take time right now. Take reasonable and good time to get to know him deeply. And I know that may, they may resonate oddly with some because they're like, I've, I've prayed to God in my whole life. I'm talking truly about a deep intimacy, a conversation, a two-way conversation where we're, you're speaking and he's talking back in whatever form he does and being able to understand that dialogue and get solid with that and get solid with listening to where he wants that next step. And remember, that next step is about all we're going to get. It's not about 
praying to have visions to see the future. It's about trusting so deeply that he knows that he can just show you where the next step is and you'll go. And also remember that to get that going, sometimes we have to just take a step so that he can direct us left or right, yes or no. These are amazing times. And God is speaking loudly and clearly. We just have to have the ears to listen and the heart to hear and to execute. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. God will never forsake us. And as we seek him in this time, there's no question that God needs us. He loves us. He wants us. So pursue him. And he will always take care of us and he will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We're at war, so walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land, expand the kingdom, subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now.
chasing mountains I can't climb. Holding out for heroes in the night. I find myself here in the dark. We learn to fight and learn who we are. But I am raised up to face the stars full of light. And we are. Since.